Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Beyond the Iron Sea, or BTIS as we often call it at dinner parties. Thanks for once again downloading the Premier King podcast, the unofficial podcast that is capable of taking 20 South African wickets on a hard pitch. We're the most cheerful men in London this evening. Yep, we had a cheeky bottle of Bokachim. We got takeaway. The sun is shining. And on top of all that, we're joined by a very special guest. The big red Glaswegian music machine himself, Martin McDonald. Yep, he'll be answering your questions live in our studio. See, Joaquin called theirs the barn. We call ours the squat. It's affectionate, but accurate. Plus, we'll also be bringing you the thoughts of a confused guy Mark met in the pub earlier. I can't wait. Let's get going, Chris. Beyond the Since last week, we've had some really exciting news about the third album. Yep, things are moving along nicely now, and we can reveal that a full announcement about the album is due in just a few weeks. Just a few weeks, that's what we've heard. With the button defiantly pressed on album three, the machine that the band have often talked about is now moving along. So, being sorted now will be... Album art. Track listing. Live production. House sitters. Tour dates. Promotional appearances. Rare owls. Interviews. Radio sessions. Contracted groupies. Road crew first single, music videos, and a lot more. Exciting, eh? So, just to confirm, before your kids are back to school, or other people's kids if you don't have them yet, you'll know a lot of what there is to know about Keen Album 3. Yep, the title, the track listing, the release date, it's all going to be out there pretty soon, we think. So, if you're not doing it already, go run around the house excitedly. Go on, scream like a banshee, go f***ing mental. We'll play some true facts while you're doing it. You're not going to be missing anything. Go now. Go on. Go on. Go. Shoot. True facts. At Keane's first appearance at Dutch festival Pink Pop, they were booed off stage after a printing error in the programme led to them playing in front of fans of metal band Dying Fetus. True facts. Jesse Quinn was a founder member of the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain. True facts. According to his friends, Richard Hughes cannot hang with the streets. And finally, to keep his playing skills sharp, Tim Rice Oxley often busks outside Westbourne Park Underground Station in West London. So, as we said at the top of the show, we are joined by Glasgow's famous Mark McDonald, our musical expert from the show who has previously joined us live by satellite, but is actually live here in the squat. How are you, Matt? I'm absolutely delighted that I am able to be here in such luxurious surroundings. You know, it's much better than, than just speaking to you on the phone to actually be here up close with the two of you. And see our beautiful faces. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, it's, quite, it's quite difficult to concentrate, you know, so well, I'll, I'll do a, my best, though. It's okay. Just, you know, don't touch my leg and we'll be all right. <laughs> so um, tell, us, uh, tell us what you've been up to. Um, we haven't seen you in a while. We haven't heard from you in just a little while. But uh, what brings you down to London? Well, I have actually been uh, having lunch today with Tim, which is... Um, any any an Tim, e- or...? Um, a, a special Tim called Tim Rice Oxley from Keene. And uh, that was uh, quite an experience, so... So I understand this is uh, this is for an interview um, for your your upcoming forthcoming website, um, which I guess you might want to plug or promote. Indeed, this is the uh, the website for all keen geeks out there. Uh, if you're interested in anything about pianos, synths, uh, drums, although I don't know that much about the drums yet, I need to try and blag something from Richard as well. Uh, but anything gear related for for keen, then I'm going to waffle on about it on this website. So 
I can't wait. I, I knew he, that, he's, he's not being cute. He literally can't wait. Yeah, he's been clawing at his thighs all evening. It's, it's only Chris that's going to be interested in it, but you know, or it's, it's going to be a, a, a labour of love for Chris. Well, not that Chris is going to be working on it. It's all me, but I'm going to do it for Chris. So, um, sadly, we're told that Mart is actually not allowed to talk about any of the specifics of uh, what he was talking about earlier. You're going to have to wait Keep for it, it all um, when it comes out on the website. Um, so, instead... We've decided to make a little feature just for Mart, um, which we kind of alluded to on the last one, and this is Christopher Flynn. Tell us all, Mart McDonald's marvellous mailbox. Brilliant alliteration. I should write for a living. So, what we're going to do is we're going to step back through the last few weeks um, of uh, emails, things that we just haven't really been asked to answer, um, and we're going to pave it all, and three of us are going to pick them apart and see whether we can answer your questions. Okay, so shall I kick off with our first question? Go ahead, go ahead. And this is from uh, Peter Johnson of America, and he writes... Here's my question. How many tracks do you think Keane's new album will have? Floor's yours, Matt. Well, um, I'm assuming that it will be a fairly standard album size. I would guess that there's going to be 11 or 12 tracks on it. That's that's what I'm I'm thinking. You don't think this is going to be some kind of crazy double album? or? No, no. I mean, you know, I, th- I think... They've written a lot of songs for it, but you know, I, I don't think they're going to do anything miraculous and put out double albums or anything like that. Tim was talking about um, Remaining Light in in a blog recently, wasn't he? Which is by Talking Heads, mm. and that's only eight tracks long, I think. So, yeah. you know, if, if he's talking about that, we don't really know. But yeah, I mean, I I, I still think Keen will, will look to get value for you know the thing, give their fans value by make sure you're not shortchanging you with only a few tracks or whatever. So I think so they'll you, go for. Um, you look back at the last couple of records, and they've they've both been. Oh, I could embarrass myself. Are they 12, 12 tracks? <laughs> I, I think they're both 12 tracks anyway. Um, so in that respect, I think you'd be looking at maybe a 40, 45-minute record. Um, I think this... Uh, we do occasionally touch back on the interviews that, that we did um, last year. And I think when we were talking about this earlier, when we were preparing, I think I can remember... I've got a quote here from Tim. And he says, Everyone's torn at the moment because you never quite know how it's going to go in terms of album length, I assume he's saying that. I think we as a band, and you guys as music fans, value an album. And not just because it's an album and a complete concept, but because it has a certain number of quality songs, and it feels like you're getting this multi-pack of quality material. And I think that that those are the words of um, a man who who wants to put out, you know, at least a minimum of ten tracks. Something that feels substantial. Um, And if you're going less than ten tracks... Um, I think they've got to be long tracks. Maybe we need to talk in terms of minutes. 45 minutes, maybe? So, you know, it's definitely 40 plus. Yeah. I would guess 47 minutes and 34 seconds. We're not going to argue with that. (laughs) We're literally speechless. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot for your question, Peter. Christopher Dillon writes, How do you feel about the possibility of there being a lot of guitars on the new album? Martin. I mean, personally, I would be really excited about the fact that they were going to be using guitars. You know, I don't think they'll do it in, you know, a kind of like Oasis style, kind of like, you know, massive guitar kind of like kind of thing. I think they'll they'll put guitars in where they think it adds something to the song. So I think it's, you know, I think it's a good thing. I'm hoping it's not going to be that sort of generic um, U2 style guitar that's sort of invaded the, the Coldplay sound over their last couple of records. That, you know, the huge epic 
um, you know, the edge style. Chiming, kind of. Yeah. Chiming guitar parts of the. You know, I I like, prefer yeah. the if, if there's going to be chiming, leave it in the piano and let the guitar um, play with that rather than the guitar leading the way. Hmm. I, I mean, I personally don't have a problem with them using guitars. I think they need to use you know use guitars as a means to an end, and the end should be a great song, and it doesn't really matter how they get there. And if you've got a sound in your head and there's a particular way of making it, why try and solve the puzzle in a different way when the easy solution is, get, you know, get out a, a six-string? Seems fair enough to me. So, um, yep, yeah, again, th- thanks very much for your question, Chris. Um, let's mo- move on to another one, this time from a long-time friend of ours. This is from Julieta. And she writes, I'd just like to know your opinion, please. Do you think there'll be any gig before the CD release, or are we asking too much? Just a few around the UK, maybe? I think there would be um, a quite reasonable chance of at least a couple of gigs before the CD release. I, I'd almost be surprised if there wasn't. I, so. I'd go much further. I'd say it's an absolute stone-cold cert that the band will play a gig with the new songs before the album is on the shelves. It's, it's just a fact. Um, whether that gig or gigs are months beforehand or the week of the, the release... We don't know. But it will definitely happen before it comes out. Yeah, because they did that show at Yulu, wasn't it? Was it about a month before for fans in the UK? Yeah, that was um, uh, five weeks beforehand. Five, five and a bit weeks. Um, it's, it's, it's going to happen, definitely. And I would imagine it will be in London or the South East. Um, I think, whereas with the last record, they did this big club tour. Um, yeah. you, you remember it. I think... I don't think... That's the kind of thing that they can probably get away with doing now. Having played headline the the you know biggest arena in the country and indoor arena that is, um, how do you go back and do these little shows um, around and about? I I I can't see it feasibly. No, I think it's the logistics of it are just going to become really problematic. And just as they become much more successful and become more well known and. Like say doing these big shows, then you know I think I think they've got to like you know the kind of bigger, bigger show and you know having a big stage and you know Tom obviously you know loves the whole thing and the ego ramp and everything as well. So um, you know I think a lot of the performance comes from those bigger arenas now that they've really taken to it. So I think actually then going back to a little stage again might actually be quite a downer yeah. for them. In yeah, some exactly. Ways, so. Not not beneficial to the performance at all. Um, and I think when you think you put it in sheer number terms that there were over 16,000 people at the O2 show yeah um, try and get tickets even to see them at um, let's let's say Bush Hall for example a great place for them to play that I'm, I don't think they've played I don't know if Chris can correct me on that but um, you know a few hundred in there and bear in mind you've got to get the, the record label and friends and family and in the end there'd be you know 20 or 30 of us in a corner and, and I don't think anyone <laughs> would really enjoy that you know Okay, so thanks a lot for your question, Julieta, and keep writing in. Next question, um, Emily writes... Hmm, I can't help but feel like Keane and Coldplay secretly stole each other's ideas for their albums. Or is Keane ripping off Coldplay? Or vice versa? Or was there some collaboration somewhere between the two bands? It sounds awful to say, but with all the experimental instrumentation on Coldplay's new album, Viva La Vida, I couldn't help but feel like these should have been Keane's songs in Keane's style. I can see roughly where she's coming from. I mean, Chris Martin and Tim Rice obviously are sort of university, you know, have been friends since university. Well, I, I kind of, I do think that can probably be overplayed a little bit. I, I, I don't think they're, you know, 
chess buddies or whatever. <laughs> um, but the, you know, I think the trajectories of the of the two bands have been um, quite similar musically in that they both started from that sort of that quite small, humble um, sound and have developed from there. Um, obviously, Keane had to wait a hell of a lot longer than than Coldplay did for them to get there, but. Um, the fact that they're both now at that experimental stage is, is not surprising. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually... I'm not convinced that there will be that much in the way of a similarity between uh, Coldplay's album and Keane's when it actually comes out. Um, you know, I think, certainly just from the little snippets that, you know, we've been able to piece together from, you know, video updates and whatever, you know, some of the Keane stuff sounds really quite weird in a lot of ways. There's some real kind of, like, different kind of things that they're doing that... You know, doesn't really sound like anything that Coldplay have actually tried. Shall we cue that sound clip that we just love playing? Here it is. I'm never ever going to get tired of hearing that. <laughs> I hope the album is just that on loop for 45 minutes. Forty-seven minutes. Forty-seven minutes and however many seconds with drums, um, more drums, more drums, loud drums, drum solo. Um, more seriously, um, I can't see that it's. I can't see that it's going to be exactly along the same lines. Um, Coldplay have got Brian Eno on board for this record, um, which gives it. You know, you, I can remember someone um, someone listening to Violet Hill for the first time, and just thinking, "Well, long intro." You know, a, a, a hallmark of Brian Eno. It's you know, it's almost it's almost becoming cliche. Whereas um, Keen are working with some you know some exciting people who they've not worked with before. Um, John Bryan. <laughs> we discovered his name. It's actually John Bryan now. I was right all along. <laughs> um, you know, some some much different sounds. It's 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 exciting. Yeah, you know, I th- I actually think you know that the Keen album has the potential to be much more experimental sounding in some ways than the Coldplay album actually turned out to be. I mean, I think the Coldplay album is great. You know, I really do like it. Mm. But um, I think you know, I probably get more uh, expectations now for the Keen album than you know I did have even you know because I thought well maybe the Coldplay album will just kind of eclipse it a bit but uh, you know I'm actually really looking forward to the Keen one now to see what we've actually come up with with Coldplay Coldplay were tied up in expectations and bullshit and the, the weight of the weight of EMI on them and they they couldn't not produce something which was broadly in line with what people expected of them whereas I think with with Keen um that they could go anywhere from that second album because they, in a sense, they'd lowered, not not lowered expectations, but in a sense, they'd come, de- they'd contracted a bit from the sales high of hopes and fears. Um, so from now, that they could literally do anything. Mm. I think we should be partly thankful for uh, Tom's break um, for that, really. Yeah, it's it has taken some of the the head of steam that could have built up around the band, which could have tied them into a cycle of producing dependable albums. Yeah, I, I think it also just helped because, you know, by coming back from the brink like that, then I think they've kind of rediscovered, you know, the, enjoy, the enjoyment of actually doing it. So. Exactly, isn't it, isn't it great to be making music? And yeah, you know, and so that can only be good when you're actually then making an album and you don't have all the pressure that they had when trying to do under the RNC, you know, like a you know, completely different situation altogether. So, I mean, I, I can only really obviously base this on... You know, interviews and snippets and the the things I've seen. I I wouldn't say it was close to Coldplay, but when when you compare the two bands, how they've gone at the last couple of records, you you definitely say that on this record, Keenan seem to be enjoying themselves one hell of a lot more 
than when Coldplay made X and Y or yeah. even Viva La Vida. Um, they just seem to be enjoying themselves, but having fun with it, and that's important. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, you know, it, hopefully it will come across in whatever the final product actually sounds like as well. We'll tell that it's actually been a fun record to make. So, so thanks a lot, Emily. Um, I hope that's a, a good enough answer, quite a lengthy answer, but um, thanks a lot. Um, we've, I think we've just got room for a few more. Um, let's uh, let's go with uh, this one from Candy Contreras, who's written to us from Peru to say. Keen is using more and more synth parts than in Under the Iron Sea, as far as we see in the blogs, and they have mentioned that this album is going to be very dancey and so on. Won't it be difficult for them to play it in live? And will they be able to capture that same strength and feeling? I think this is an interesting one. You, um, let, let's go with Mark first. Yeah, I think it actually will be more difficult to play live. I don't think that, you know... I'm. It's something that they're clearly going to be thinking about and uh, are going to have to work on. Um, you know, I know they're going to give it a lot of thought, clearly, because you know, live is such an important part of them as a band. Uh, but I think, you know, I don't think it will lose any of the passion. I think they, you know, they will find a way to maintain that sort of strength and feeling. But I know it's probably going to be much more difficult to try and find the correct way of doing it, just because there are so many extra synth parts that. That seems to be the case. Hmm, but I mean, if you look back on hopes and fears, um, there were a lot of sort of hidden parts in there. But what what you hear mainly is, you know, the the piano, the drums, and the vocals. And with them playing the uh, developing the new album sort of as a live band, hmm. you'd think that you know the most of the songs are going to be built out of you know this four piece unit. So when it comes to playing it live again, it is actually going to be possible to recreate that without all the extra bits, obviously. But yeah. you know, the bulk will be there. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I I would say that I think they're probably, you know, going to have to sort of strip things down a bit, you know, to try and approach it. You know, I, I, you know, the, the feeling I get from it is that, you know, they don't want to be as reliant on a laptop playing stuff back, you know. So that's going to then force them into mm. making a decision one way or another about how you how you then approach these songs when you know you can't rely on having a synth part playing off the laptop. Or, you know, but it'll be interesting to wait and see how they actually do it. See, what I found interesting with um, with this album as compared to Under the Iron Sea is that that was a... We've talked about it in the past, that it was a very uh, Tim-heavy album in that it was Tim writing and demoing on the road. Mm-hmm. And effectively, he brought it into the studio, complete with drum parts, told Richard, play this drum part, go away and learn it. Um, obviously, there was, you know, little bits of inspiration, I think, from Richard. Um, but effectively, it was it was Tim... Corralling uh, the other the other two members of the band, getting them to do their bits, and mm. sort of really driving it on. Whereas with this, this is a this is a, you know Charis a, a team effort. <laughs> it's go team keen. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's definitely more more the three of them for this one. And you'd think, given that they've had to work on it as a band, it would be easier. You know, they're used to the songs. Um, but you you know you'd think they'd be used to being able to play it live. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the the kind of situation about Under the RNC there is a kind of... That was obviously a sort of pressurised situation for them anyway, you know, the, they were having their own difficulties about just even being friends and, you know, obviously there was Tom's difficulties as well. So I think that all contributed to the fact that that album became like a Tim album just because it was almost out of necessity as much as anything else. So, I, you know, but the, the sense of this one is definitely it's a real band it's a band album. It's all it's it's all of them together, all mm. contributing and making it happen, and been really behind the process of it. So. so, I mean, can you really see this being a glitter ball album, a dance floor throwing shapes, cutting rug album? 
No, uh, I, d- I don't think it will be. I think it, it's possibly going to be um, more more dancey than than Keen has been in the past. But I don't think it's going to be like disco dancing and we'll be doing John Travolta shapes to it or anything like that. Um, I'd like to see Tom pulling some John Travolta shapes, actually. I, suit, uh, I actually you know. did pull John Travolta shapes after a few drinks uh, at the last tour. So, you know... Um, maybe I'll it be, is possible, then. I'll you know, be doing maybe. it again. I, I, I must say, I won't be doing that, no matter how many drinks I've had. Maybe it's, maybe there'll be a Morris dancing record. No. They, they said dance. Well, they didn't say what kind of dance. Well, that's true, yeah. If it's yeah. Morris dancing, I would absolutely love that. Absolutely love it. I think that would be a bridge too far, even for me. I think even I would have to say, hold on a minute, guys. You know, taking this a bit in the wrong direction. So yeah, thanks a lot for your question, Candy. And I think we're going to have to. We've just got space for one last one because this is this is going on and on and on. Um, and there is one question that we get asked more than any other. So this this question comes from all the following. Um, let, let's get started. Dear in Canada, where do you get the true facts? Stephanie League Water. I was wondering about the true facts in your podcasts. Are these facts really, in fact, true? I find them very funny, but some of them seem a bit far-fetched. Andrew from Winchcombe. I love how true your true facts are. Can we have more? Emily B. Percentage-wise, how many of the true facts you state are true or leg pullers? Or is it all hogwash? So, all these questions about the true facts. It's great that they're going down so well. Well, yeah, I, I think that's marvellous. Um, the thing with the true facts is very self-explanatory. They're true, and they're facts. And when you look at it in all honesty, that is what... Hello, this is Tim from the band Keen, and you're listening to Beyond the Iron Sea, a collection of lies, misinformation and childish humour presented by Christopher Flynn and Andrew Drinkwater. Beyond the you well glad that's all sorted thanks for tuning into the podcast this time it's been great to have you Matt. i bet it has Chris. yeah it certainly has been great for me and uh, i just want everybody to remember to go and visit www.keenbackline.info uh, to keep checking for when that tim interview arrives i think i'll do that every single day i'm actually doing it right now i'm not next time we'll be attempting to give the podcast an international flavor oh if that fails We'll simply knock out another five minutes of us talking about CDs we bought this week and trading the odd marinade recipe. Please keep emailing us at beyondtheinc at gmail.com. And you can join the likes of popular musician Jessica, Jesse, Quinn on our MySpace at myspace.com slash beyondtheinc. So until next time, as they say in Glasgow, get it right up here.